0: Good morning. Welcome to Temple Baptist. Glad that you were here, able to join us this morning. Um, as we continue our sermon series, Therefore. But before we begin, I have to, have to let you guys know something. I have been challenged by many of you to try to beat Brother Ron's time last week. <laughs> So, in conclusion, <laughs> you know, no one ever challenges me to try to out, or out-preach or out Wade, you know, try to go longer. I, I honestly don't know that I could. Um, you know, when Wade told me he wanted to t- preach through Romans, and specifically Romans 12, I was like, well, that's a tall order. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, Romans is not an easy book. It has a lot of theological impact. As well as an incredible amount of Old Testament references. There is a a lot. Have you ever ever read the small text under the last slide that has been in the sermon series? uh, Under therefore? Living in light of truth. Romans 12 is about living. How do we live for God? How do we live with other Christians? How do we live with non-Christians? It's about living. And Wade started us out with verses one through two about how we should therefore be living sacrifices and therefore not be conformed to this world. Live differently. Then verses three through eight were about living gracefully out of our gifts. Living out of our gifts with others. Knowing our gifts. Knowing what our gifts aren't. Being okay that others have gifts. Therefore, not think of himself. More highly than he ought to. Therefore, members do not have all the same function. Therefore, according to grace given to us, let us use them, our gifts. And then last week we moved on to living with other Christians and how we should live with them. And specifically, Pastor Ron walked us through how to love one another. Therefore be genuine. Therefore abhor what is evil evil. Therefore, show us or show honor. And listing all of these therefores out in sequence back to back is a lot. And guys, we're only halfway through the chapter. <laughs> it can be a bit overwhelming when we look at all the therefore and how we should be living. But if you do get overwhelmed, either through today or throughout this sermon series, I encourage you just to look at verses 1 and 2. Focus first on just being A living sacrifice. Knowing how to live for God and who God wants you to be. And thinking on the things that are good and that are acceptable and are perfect. So that when we are tested, and we will be tested, we will have tough times. We will be broken. We will be bruised. But that through this testing, we will discern the will of God. We need to renew our mind. We need to renew our body, our soul. And that is only done through the obedience of to Christ being living sacrifices and if I'm completely transparent which I usually am and to the detriment of my poor family I am very transparent with you guys this morning or this week has been tough it's been a tough one and I often pray to God that you know give me wisdom in the thing that I'm about to preach about and I uh, you know be careful what you pray for right so when you pray for patience God doesn't just make you patient he gives you opportunities to be patient when, when we ask to be strong for strength, He doesn't just make us super strong. It gives us opportunities, lots of opportunities to grow in our strength. And there will be tough times, so don't get overwhelmed. Go back to verses one through two. Focus on living, or being a living sacrifice. But today we're moving on to verse eleven, Romans twelve eleven. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Or what we have up here, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit serve the lord the title of this message is therefore be diligent and diligent or diligence is the constant effort to accomplish something you're persistent consistently going after something and when i think of a diligence or persistence or consistently going after things i I think of a dog with a toy now our new dog pippin is very diligent about getting the stuffing out of every toy that she has every little bit of stuffing and it somehow finds its way into my shoe every time just any squeaker any stuffing its coming out but that's not the only creature in my home that is filled with diligence my youngest daughter allison diligently tries to find ways to make weird noises constantly when allison was six months old laura and i were in the car we were on our way and i don't remember where we were going i just remember this whistling. It was almost like a window was open. I kept testing the windows, you know, how you get, you're like, you roll them down, you roll them back up, okay, is so her seal broke. And she's, and I finally went, Laura, what are, you, what are you whistling? What are you whistling about? What is that whistling? She, she looks back and goes, it's not me. It's Allison. At six months old. And what was best about that is that she would whistle, she'd laugh, then she'd get sad that the whistling has stopped, and then she would whistle, she'd laugh, get in rinse, repeat. Again, Allison and Pippin aren't the only creatures with diligence in my home when I was a kid my friends used to call me They used to call me Q and it was because I had about 10 to 15 questions Queued up all the time like I I always had questions uh, That I wanted to get and and in fourth grade uh, when there's pop quizzes I was pretty popular because people would offer me fudgesicles if I could get us out of a pop quiz if I just asked enough questions, so I, I I ate like a king in fourth grade until the teacher figured it out, and she gave me like five uh, question cards per hour that I can only ask so many. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I always thought growing up that it would be great to have a kid as inquisitive as I was. Nora is my inquisitive kid, constantly interrogating me on every subject that comes up that she's interested in. I feel like one of the perps I'm dragging it. How many people know what that is? Dragnet, yeah? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> just the facts. So she wants to know everything. She wants to know every little thing, and sometimes it's exhausting, because I, either I don't know, or if I do know, I know this is going to lead to yet another question. And you know, when I think back to when I was a kid, my dad would sit me on his lap, and I don't ever remember him saying, like, go away. Or, or maybe I was just too persistent not to even hear it. But I just remember him making time, you know, time for me and for all the questions that I had. So I I do my best with Nora that when, especially when she was a kid, to be available for all the questions in her painstakingly persistence and diligence to want to know every little detail that's in her brain. So today I want us to understand our call to be diligent. What is our call? Is it just to be Interested in things, or where, where do we where do we need to be? So Paul says, "Do not lack diligence." And again, like I said, some of you may have it as, "Do not be slothful in zeal," which zeal just means energy, enthusiasm, a pursuit of a cause. So, what is our Christian call to diligence? Well, I believe as it relates to Romans 12, our diligence is the consistent and persistent effort to pursue God's will and fulfill our responsibilities. The consistent and persistent effort to pursue God's will and fulfill our responsibilities. So who was Paul talking to? Who was he talking to at this moment? And you may go, well, John, it's Romans, Is the Romans. Yes, it is, the Christians at, at, in, in Rome. But have you ever thought about what they're going through? What was happening at the time that this was written? What were they experiencing? Well, the Christians at Rome, the church at Rome, were in the center of, in the heart of the greatest oppressors of their time, who had conquered most of the known world. There's a church in the center of their oppressors. On one side, they're in direct conflict with or opposition of the worldly culture that the Romans live in, and on the other side, they're in conflict with the legalism of the Jewish nation that did not recognize Jesus as the Christ. So they're plopped right in the middle of these two opposing forces. And Paul writes, do not lack diligence. Do not lack zeal. Do not lack consistent and persistent effort to pursue God's will and fulfill your responsibilities. The fact that even the word diligence is in there or the zeal is in there is a realization that your service will be long. You don't need diligence to 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 pick up a sock and put it in the hamper. That's a quick task. But the tasks that we need diligence for, we need zeal for, are long tasks. Tasks that are going to take us time. They're going to take effort. They're going to take persistence and consistency. And if you're still here on this earth, which it feels like we're, we're all still here, we're here for a purpose. Which means your purpose is still long, still present, still active, still needing you to be filled with diligence. In this verse, Paul not only addresses the work of our hands, our, our ability to be diligent, but also the condition of our heart. Be fervent in spirit. It is equally important in this instance for us to do for the Lord as it is our attitude towards that task. It is equally important. In this instance for us to do for the lord as it is about our attitude towards that task you can't have one without the other when we serve people in god and if you don't know what i'm talking about ask a kid to clean their room they're ultimately going to do it and if they don't well then we need to talk about your parenting skills but they're ultimately going to do it but have you ever seen a child go clean their room they're dragging their legs they're dragging their hands every toy is like a thousand pounds <sighs> They're unhappy, they're unwilling, but they're doing the task. God can feel it when our heart is not in our diligence, in our work. And so can your fellow church members. They can feel it when your heart is not in where we're working. So the three areas I want us to explore today is how we can be diligent and what happens when we fail to be diligent as relates to verse 11. So diligence in our personal spiritual growth, diligence in serving others, and diligence in sharing the gospel. Romans 12, 11, do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And as this relates to our personal uh, growth, after the amazing and awesome and grace-filled event of our salvation in our lives, then begins the time of sanctification a lifelong journey of cleansing and being set apart for God's pur- purpose. purpose. Salvation, oh my goodness, words, phrases, communicate. Salvation cannot be looked upon as just the end goal. It's not like, I made it, I'm there, finish line, we're done. No, salvation is just the beginning. It's the beginning of a new life. It's the beginning of Christians being sanctified, being sifted, being torn things from our our bodies that don't need to be there anymore. And sometimes that can be very painful. We often think that when, well, the situation that we are in with technology, there is instant gratification. And I think our perspective is that we will have instant gratification when we achieve things or just start things. It takes time. Cleansing of our souls and our lives take time, and growth has to happen. We have to be sanctified. So how do we engage being trained up, and how do we engage training up others? Well, if you want to make your way over to Acts 18, 24 through 26, or if you want to follow along on the screen or the Version Bible app, we will take a look at a man named Apollos. Uh, Paul meets this man from Alexandria and from all accounts Apollos is a pretty awesome guy. He's on fire for God and from the looks of it he, he wasn't sent from a church. He wasn't commissioned by a person. He just came uh, at the essentially from, I assume, from the following of the spirit. So let's read in Acts 18:24 through 26 A Jew named Apollos a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was powerful in the use of the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately. Although he only knew John's baptism, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him home and explained the way of God to him more accurately. So Paul describes uh, describes Apollos as an eloquent man, a powerful man in the scriptures he was fervent in spirit he instruct he was instructed in the way of the lord and he spoke and he taught accurately so there's a couple of things that we can infer from these this description powerful in the scriptures means he knew them which means he was diligent and he was fervent to study them you don't just go study the uh, and start memorizing the scriptures unless you want to memorize the scriptures and you're consistently studying them so we know that Apollos had discipline to read the scriptures He was fervent in the spirit, which means he was was passionate. He had lots of energy. He was excited for God. His heart was in the right place. Instructed in the way of the Lord means he was a good student. And teachers, you know better than me. And any of us who are not teachers, you know better that no matter how good the lesson, no matter how good the teacher, if the student doesn't want to learn, they're not. You can't make them. They're not going to learn the thing that you want them. You can teach them about consequences. But they're not going to learn the thing that you want them to learn. Apollos was a good student. He was diligent to learn what was taught to him. And last, Apollos taught accurately, which speaks more to his character. Because of his diligence and his fervency towards the spirit, it kept him from speaking a false gospel. He spoke truth. This is an example of someone who was diligent, who had an attitude in the right place, who was Committed to his personal, spiritual growth. But even with all that he accomplished, Apollos was lacking something. Did you catch it? Did you catch what he was missing? Although he knew only John's baptism. So Apollos did not yet know all of Jesus' ministry. He was missing something. He would have been familiar with it, but he didn't know all of Jesus' ministry. So Priscilla and Aquila, seeing this awesome guy on fire, they saw how he could improve. And they took him aside to explain more about Jesus' ministry to him. Apollos was awesome. He had all these amazing qualities, all this opportunity that he seized, and with all his accomplishments and all of his instructions and talents, he still needed something else. If Apollos had considered himself a complete and whole product... If he saw himself as awesome and arrived, he would not have heard Priscilla and Aquila. He would not have seen the thing that he was missing. But Paulus was diligent and he was fervent in the spirit. He was consistent and persistent in the effort to pursue God's will in his responsibilities and he had a right attitude. He chose to listen. He chose to to grow. If if Paul's attitude wasn't right, he never would have been fervent in the Spirit. He never would have heard them. If our hearts aren't right today, you won't hear the words of the Lord. No matter if you like the speaker or not, you will not hear the words of the Lord. Because like I said, while the teacher can be good and the lesson can be great, neither of them will have an effect if a student doesn't want to be taught. So what does the opposite of diligence and fervency look like in spiritual growth? Ignorance and self-righteousness. I'm going to turn to Proverbs 24, 30-34. I passed by a field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold it was overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it, I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and I and want like an armed man. In this proverb, the wise man looks around and he sees this man who lacks sense. He lacks sense, or he's devoid of understanding. He is not committed to his personal growth. His house is overgrown with thorns and weeds. His walls were crumbling down. This wise man you could tell that he was taking no instruction. And in fact, he was going to sleep. If we are not diligently and fervently receiving instruction into our lives, committed to our personal growth, our homes, our bodies will be overrun and they will be brought down. It will be clear and it will be evident that we aren't receiving instruction. I think some, maybe here, maybe just in the world, who knows? But I think some are under the impression that as we get older, we just age like fine wine. We just get better with age. I've actually always been kind of fascinated with that process, how, how, how wine goes from, from grape to bottle. Um, and, and, and wine does actually get better with age, the way that it happens. It's, it's a, uh, the aging process is a process, it's an active process. There's a natural chemical reaction called polymerization that happens over time. And that reaction binds all the tannis, or the, the bitter part of the wine, the bitter tasting part of the wine. It binds it together and it pulls it to the bottom of the bottle. Thus leaving you with a more mellow, just the grapeish type uh, taste. It sifts out the wine. So similarly, people have impurities in them. We have stuff. We have the tannis in us that are, that are bitter tasting. And when... When we actively seek God in our personal lives, when we actively seek instruction, that starts to sift things out of us and pull it down, thus making us better tasting, more whole. But when we aren't seeking that relationship, we aren't sifting the things out of us, and we're just as bitter tasting as we were when we were younger and able to move without our knees popping. Are you willing today to be diligent in your personal spiritual growth towards God. So how can we cultivate a lifestyle of diligence and fervency? Well, first is regular Bible study, like Apollos. He was instructed, he had a command of the scriptures. Regular Bible study and meditation of those scriptures. Prayer and seeking God's guidance. Prayer is a humbling experience. It causes strong men to go your knees. It takes takes us to, to get rid of our pride, to get down and admit that we made a mistake, that we're not whole, that we're not perfect, that we might be wrong. We have to have alone time. It can't be here at the church. I don't mean your alone time can't be in your church. I mean this time together is not alone. This isn't enough. Time with your community group isn't enough. Even mentorship isn't enough. You need alone time with God. It takes diligence. It takes strength. It takes fervency and and it requires joy. And we can only get that strength and joy in the never-ending strength and overflowing power of God. Diligence in serving others. So first, our personal relationship, our spiritual relationship with God, and then diligence in serving others. If you look back at previous sermons uh, in this series, there's a wide variety of ways of how we can serve others. A list of gifts and how we can serve God through our giftedness and serving others and helping others uh, in this life. And I'm not going to relist those today. What I actually felt drawn towards when I was considering diligence in serving others was actually the feeling of burnout. Being burned out. We have an inherent desire to take care of ourselves. We brush our teeth. Well, some of you should be brushing teeth, I hope so. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're thirsty, we drink. When we're tired, we lay down for 30 minutes and flip through Facebook before we finally fall asleep or the melatonin kicks in. But our, we're exhausted. We're burnt out. And it gets trickier when we have this focus on ourselves to take care of ourselves, to help ourselves, to self-love when we're asked to serve others. That means giving up time for ourselves. That means giving up time with our family. That means giving up time at night. Your relaxed time. You're overworked. You're underpaid. You're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. Your body and your soul feels like you have nothing left to give. And you're on a one-way track to Burnout City. Serve others. It's a tough place to be. And at one time or another, you're either in a burnout or you're on your way to a burnout. So what do you do? I personally have felt a significant burnout um, twice in my life. The first time was right after college. 16 years every day i got up and i'm like i'm gonna get that paper that says i'm a college graduate every day that's what i'm gonna do and then a week after that i was sitting on my parents couch staring at a wall going is watching the price of right oh like the right or yeah wait what was that the price is right like like is that the zenith of my existence did i did i spend 16 years sitting here what am i going to do with my life i was burned out The second time was right before I stepped down as youth pastor. My secular work was suffering and needed more of my attention. The youth group as well as the parents deserved more of my attention. And my family certainly deserved more than the eight hours I was giving them every Saturday. I was overwhelmed, I needed a break. People needed me, but I felt like I didn't have anything else to give. My first impulse was just to step away, pack up the car, go to Alaska, you'd never find me again. I mean, my ancestors did it when they left Ireland. I could do it. <laughs> Laura talked to me into a more reasonable um, response. So I went on a, a private prayer retreat in, the, in, a, in a cabin. And I spent the weekend just praying and going through a directive prayer study. And, and at the end of that came out that I needed to step away. But there's a difference between stepping back and stepping away. It is good and healthy that we have a consistent stepping back. Take some time, rest, relax. But we need to take greater care and service when we decide to step away from something. Because when we step away, we're not supposed to just step away from God and step away from the church and step away from everything. When we step away, we should step away into something else, into another service, into a way that we can serve God and others. Because serving others is one of the key and unique visible indicators of Christianity, of the whole church. We see it throughout Jesus' ministry. He served others, Jews and Gentiles. We see it through the book of Acts of how the church came together and they served others. And in fact, one of the biggest and most notable contributions that the secular world notices about Christianity that they give us props for, thanks, is our care for the orphans and for widows, the way that we loved those in most need. The church was diligent, and it was fervent in spirit in serving the Lord by serving others. It is our duty. It's our spiritual duty as a church family to bear one another's burdens and to serve one another. And it can't just be a few. It has to be all of us, every single member in the church, to serve. And you serve out of your giftedness. You serve out of your talents. You guys ever seen an Amish barn-like move? How the Amish move a barn? Yeah, this always fascinates me. There's 800 people there from the community that came out to move this barn. There's no sound, if you're wondering. Yeah, that, that is uh, I think that's awesome uh, the first time I ever saw that was uh, uh, we were in it, there was a, a Mennonite community not far from, from where I went to college and they were there was not that big but they moved a farm and I remember driving by and I couldn't see what was happening just the barn moving I thought oh no it's falling <laughs> So I I didn't know there were people little legs in there that community got together and they shared the load they shared the burdens. But it took all of them. It took all of them working on that job. It took all of them to move that barn. Some Now, not all of them were doing the same job. Some were directing. Some were moving stuff out of the way. Some were just keeping the kids out of the way. But there were people helping and sharing in the weight of that barn. It cannot be done effectively alone or with a few people. So what happens when our church family, when our church culture decides to step away into nothing, when it is our culture to step away into nothing more often than just stepping back or stepping into something else, when the culture of the church is to let a few move the barn? Let's read Revelation 3, 15 through 16. Revelation 3, 15 through 16. I know your works. You are neither hot Or cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The church at Laodicea had become lukewarm. They had become complacent with how things were being done, or rather, not being done. The church at Laodicea had become hypocritical, trying to both please the world and then seemingly to please God, trying to find that middle ground. If the church culture is to step away from things and not to be too much one way or another, not to overcommit, not to be too much involved or to make too many waves, then the church culture isn't serving God. And it certainly is not serving God people and that type of culture we will see less and less prayer meetings we will see less people community groups we will see less people willing to serve in ministries we will see less people want to be deacons or even be qualified we'll see less and less men and women whether willing to be dedicating their lives to service of others we will become inwardly focused and externally ignorant If you look back at Acts 18, 24 through 26, the story of Apollos, I want you to focus on Priscilla and Aquila on this particular one. A Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was powerful in the use of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue after Priscilla and Aquila heard him and they took him home. And explained the way of God to him more accurately. Serving people. Priscilla and Aquila saw where Apollos, this incredibly awesome, outspoken, on a guy for God, and how he needed to grow. They saw a need. And they pulled him aside. Priscilla and Aquila are actually my heroes. When I was a, an older teenager, that's, that's exactly the type of couple I wanted to be. I know Laura's heard me say it several times. Um, for us to be, you know, that type of, of, of faith and commitment to serving others. You see, they took it upon themselves, the duty of loving on Apollos. No one told them to do it. They didn't sign up on a list. They didn't wait for someone to give them permission. They just did it. They just went, and they did it. When I was in the corporate world, I often got in trouble for just going and doing things. Uh, well, and, and, and I'll probably get in trouble later today, just what I'm about to say, so... Uh, We are where we are. But I love it when people just go and do things. I love it. I love when people just go, if there's a need, I'm just going to do it. And if you want to blame someone uh, for for who I am today, blame my dad. Because when we were kids, if there was stuff on the floor, or if there was a mess in the kitchen or wherever it was, and my dad would ask, did you see this? Did you see this mess? Did you just walk past this mess? oh, man, you were just as in trouble as the person who made the mess because you walked past it. He's like, do you not live here? Do you not care about what's happening? People come in and see this house. Is this the house you want them to see? like, no. (laughs) Don't just look at the mess. Don't just look at the person who's in need. Do something about it. If you see that person in need, help them. Help them through your gifts. If I see something that I want to get done, I just do it. Again, in the corporate world, you can get in trouble, but here, there's no area, there's no, no positions. You know, at work, I, I actually had someone do it to me. It was something I was supposed to get to. I was a little covered up, and they just did it. I could have been mad. Could have. Did they do it the way I wanted to do it? No. But did they get it done? Did they take care of the client? Yeah. They did. And I wasn't doing it. So I can either let my pride get in the way of progress, of taking care of people, or I can go, thank you. Thank you for seeing something and doing it. My encouragement to you today, where does this church need to improve on serving people? Answer that question. Because each one of your perspectives is different than mine. It's going to be different. I'm not going to see the way that God has gifted you to see people and to see the way that they have needs and where they need to be loved and how they need to be loved on. I'm not going to see it that way. I'm not gifted that way. But you are. And God's given you a gift to be able to see that person and see their needs from that perspective. So if you need permission, I give you permission. You are so encouraged and empowered to love on God's people, to serve now, please don't go, like, breaking walls or selling the church van or just like, hey, I have an idea. Like, we do have committees that take care of things. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to serving people, like, we're all accountable to serve our, each other. I mean, look around the room. Here's your mission field to love people. They're right next to you. They're behind you. They're in front of you. And they're all overwhelmed and they're overworked and they're overpaid and they're tired and they want to go somewhere or they lost someone, they lost something, or they're in a bad situation. Let's be diligent and fervent in the spirit to serve our church and its people. Our last point today is diligence in sharing the gospel you want to start making your way over to Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, some of you may have that memorized, but it's Jesus's great commission. This is the command upon all of our lives. None of us are exempt from it. Each of us is required. Your talents, your gifts will dictate the way in which you contribute, but we all share in the commission in our lives. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this command from Jesus, there are many jobs, there are many talents, there are many responsibilities that span the full Church. There are those who should go. Those are your extroverts. They go. They're ready to go talk to people. They go. There are those who make disciples who are patient, willing to work through the messy stuff. There are those who baptize. There are those who teach. God bless those who teach. And there's much more in between all of those that were listed. There are very few humans on earth that, can, are, that are naturally gifted in all of those things and effective in being able to do them, which means we need the church to spread the gospel. Spread the gospel in your areas of influence in your family, in your friends group. We need to be diligent but also fervent in spirit about the gospel, committed, consistent in the gospel. Sometimes we have difficulty starting those conversations. They're uncomfortable. But what happens when a church is not diligent and fervent in spirit in spreading the gospel? i may have told this story before i know I, i've told it up in the youth uh, several years ago but my, my first job out of out of college i, I um, worked at a, at a factory and um, i worked on an assembly line occasionally so there was we would, we would count toothbrushes and put them in a box and you had to have you know so many that went into a box and then you went down the, the assembly line and then it went through a tape machine and then someone put it on a pallet and and uh, I, I worked the assembly line but I, I most often i would use the tape machine it was awesome i got tape machine and then i would load the pallet wrap it up and then i put it on the, a truck uh, to go and and it wasn't bad work i actually had a lot of had a lot of fun because i would try to beat the time that i had the day previous and try to see how, how quickly i could get um the truck loaded so that it could get on um and there was a there was a woman who stood across from me um, who who, who you would heckle me and she would heckle kind of everyone because i i found out later that that was just sort of the way she communicated with the human race so while i I never retaliated um, to her. She was you know, it was kind of annoying. Um, and, I, and I tried to just kind of keep, keep my distance. Didn't really talk to her much. And, and I would often wear headphones, listen to music, or listen to the radio. Um, but one day I couldn't find my headphones. I was like, "Oh man. So I, I had to listen to the heckling. And she engaged me a bit. Um, and come to find out, she, she was not a believer. And she went on for about 25-ish minutes Uh, while we're on the line about how could people believe in God I don't I don't understand like how people could have a relationship with with Jesus what does that even mean he's dead and and I I said nothing I said nothing to her I just smiled and I just kept kept working I said nothing to her because in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't want to give her one more thing to heckle me about. Like, I kind of want to engage this. Like, she's annoying. She's not going to hear what I have to say anyway. So I just kept working. A couple weeks later, I, I, I got hired at the job I was really going for, and, and then a few months later, she died in her sleep. And I have never forgotten her heckling. And I've never forgotten that day on the assembly line, having lost my headphones. I never lost my headphones. I put them back in particular about where they go, who touches them. So that was an opportunity for me to share the love of Christ with her. And I chose not to because it was uncomfortable, because I didn't want to. And for 17 years, and probably till the day I die, I will regret that decision. I will regret it. I have no idea if she would have heard me that day. But I get to live with the regret of that decision. You have relationships with people today. You have trust that you have built up today with non-believers. So people who are maybe in opposition of who Jesus is. Or maybe they just are curious. And they will heckle you. But if they're heckling you, they're bringing up the conversation. They brought up the conversation. At least it means they're interested in what you think or why you think the way that you do. Laura explained to me once, and I didn't quite understand it, but I appreciate it that she did, but I didn't understand the psychology of the why when kids would act out poorly. Just bad kids. And she's like, no, it's not attention-seeking narcissists. Rather, it was desperate kids wanting to just be seen. That woman just wanted to be seen by me. And I smiled. And I said nothing. If they're bringing up the topic, engage them in love. Be fervent. Be diligent to talk about the gospel. If they're not bringing it up, Ask them to. Ask them if you can can bring it up. Ask them about it. Invite them to church. Invite them to your community group. If you're not part of a community group, join a community group. And then invite them to that community group. (laughs) Invite them to our Thanksgiving dinner. Invite them to our Christmas Eve service. Be consistent. Be persistent in your effort to pursue people, to pursue God, to to serve others. There was a lot today, especially when we encompass all the verses leading up to verse 11. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This is our consistent and persistent effort to pursue God's will and fulfill our responsibilities with a right attitude. We should be doing that in our personal spiritual growth. Be diligent. Are you growing? Are you still bitter tasting as you were when you first accepted Christ? Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Are we doing this when we work for others as we serve others? Do you have a cheerful heart in dedicating time to the church? Or is it a grind? Are you cruising towards a burnout? Step back. Step away into something else. We are called to serve others. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Are we doing this in spreading the gospel? Who is standing across from you? Begging to know more about Jesus through their pain, through their heckling, through their facade, through their overwhelmed. Don't let a day go by without saying something, being diligent, being fervent. Serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to stand before you, to to serve you. But Father, your son has, has cleaned us, has saved us, has given us new life. And in Romans about Romans 12 is about living. God, we need to live right. And today, Father, I pray for, for myself, and for my church family, that we would go out in this world with energy, with love, with excitement about who you are, about our own personal relationship with you, about serving the people who come and worship next to us. God, draw us towards that diligence. That consistent and persistent drive to love, to be loved, to serve you, to read your word, to spread your gospel. Father, this world...